0: Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? Well, i I hope you're. You're glad you're here. You're. You. If you're a guest, I want to say welcome. You've probably already been welcomed. I want to add my welcome to that. You've landed in a safe and good place. Um, and a special hello if you're joining us over at our Edgewood campus and our Bel Air campus. We're glad you're with us and watching online or whatever. Um, it's a good day. Hey, before we start, I wanted to mention one thing. A lot of us are using a uh, new, uh, well, it's not a new app, but it's an app that I want to make sure you know about. If you've got a phone that isn't dumb and you can download apps, or you, a lot of us are bringing, uh, you know, your iPads or whatever you've got. That's great. Um, but there's an app that's worth getting. Uh, it used to be called version, Y-O-U, version. Uh, I think you still get it that way, but now if you just punch in in your search function, Bible, the first app that'll come up uh, has a little picture icon of a Bible, and uh, it's great. It's great, um, great app. You can you not only have lots of different versions of the Bible, but it'll send if you want to sign up for a verse of the day or a reading plan, or just a lot of good ways to get the Scripture in our lives. It's so important. Um, Also, when you're here, there's a place for live event, and you click on live event, you'll find mountain, click on mountain, it'll bring up what we're doing for the day. So the kind of whole outline for the day, the message notes, the scriptures, uh, punchline to the jokes ahead of time, all that stuff's in there. Uh, So uh, anyway, just thought you'd like to know about that, and it's a good tool to have if you're into that techie side of of things. So how many of you are um, buried in your brackets and feeling like this is the happiest time of year? How many of you, anybody like that, got that? religion going on in your, in your house. Um, it is basketball season, but there's been something else that happened on television um, in, in March that was also kind of part of March Madness in a way. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check this out. Watch the screen. And there you go. Grab that for me, please. Thank you. Follow me. Thank you. And ask you to get right on that mark. And let's get you working on this puzzle now. The category tonight is thing, R-S-T-L-N-E. No more? She stopped all of a sudden there, yeah. didn't she? All right, three more consonants and add a vowel. H. What? M. Two. D. And a vowel. O. Okay. Oh, no. Banna? Banna. Hello, Banna? Well, uh, this looks tough to me. (laughs) It's a thing. Uh, You're a very good puzzle solver, but I don't know. You have 10 seconds. Keep talking. Maybe the right thing will pop out. Good luck.
1: New baby buggy,
0: new baby, new, oh.
1: Put
0: your hands up okay. Put your hands up <laughs> Emil, don't spend this all in one place. $45,000. Well. <laughs> That's kind of a fun puzzle solve, isn't it? I'm sure a lot of you already knew it. As soon as you saw it, you were on it already yourself. Uh, I'm the other way. If I, you can have every blank filled in, and I'm still like I can't even read it, let alone solve it. So, uh, so we're working our way through uh, the whole Bible, the whole story of, of God's work, and um, we're using this book, the novel, uh, called the story. It's great help to kind of weave the whole thing together. And finally, we come to the part of the story where the puzzle is about to be solved. And it's it's um, like everything to this point has been pointing to where we are now, it's, which makes it a great time if you're just joining us or if you've kind of fallen off in the story reading. Uh, this is the beginning of what we call the New Testament. and And so all of the things about the puzzle of how God is going to reclaim His people, how God is going to fix the planet, how God is going to bring us back to Himself, how God is going to bless your life and the whole world. How does all that happen? Well, the puzzle is about to be solved because... Everything you know like, like like moses was was great but but it left us longing for a better, fuller Moses didn't it? Someone who can really get us to the promised land we we, we had We had the kings and and they were great, but we, we, it leaves us longing for a better, more perfect David, who wasn't flawed, the the ultimate king who will be our. Son of David, a Messiah. And the priests were great, but we need someone who can really... What if someone could really get us into the presence of God and have a sacrifice for us that was once and for all? Um, the prophets were great, but what if we could have uh, the story of God bring us ultimately good news? See, the, the, every, everything is leading to, to this big sort of mystery that's about to, to sort of come together in sort of an aha moment. And you know what? The answer is J-E-S-U-S. We're up to Jesus now. And we get to hang out in the Jesus part of this for a little while. And that's just very, very exciting. Um, it's funny. Um, there was a youth pastor one time who was giving an illustration about friendship. And, uh, you know, youth pastors can get away with anything. They can, they can say ridiculous things and everyone thinks it's cute. Whereas senior pastors are always more sophisticated and mature. But um, uh, he was giving an illustration about friendship. Um, uh, friendship, and he was going to use macar- the ingredients of macaroni and cheese to make his point. So he comes out and he has this, he has, says, okay, first, you've got to put noodles in, but you've got to have butter on the noodles, and butter is like the thing that, how does he make this work? He said, butter makes everything better, that's it. Butter makes everything better, and every friendship needs kind and encouraging words. It'll make everything better, so your friendship needs butter. It's like, okay, whatever. And then, and then he's like, okay, and then you got to add milk, and milk's good for you. It's healthy, and... Um, you you got to have uh, every friendship should make you stronger. Yeah, that's it. Okay, whatever. And because uh, because mel- and cheese is so healthy. And um, and then the third ingredient he said was like cheese sauce. You got to have the cheese sauce, and you got to put that in there. And, um, and 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 so and then he says, okay, now I want you to all um, um, say the word cheese sauce since since. Uh, we weren't there, let's just reenact this. I'll be the youth minister, you be the, the audience, okay? So he says, so, so now, uh, cheese sauce. Everybody say, when I say one, two, three, everyone say it really loud uh, uh, together. Ready? One, two, three. Cheese sauce. Okay, what does every, every, every friendship need? One more time, say it a little louder, a little faster. Cheese sauce. Faster. Cheese sauce. You're right, Jesus. Every relationship needs Jesus. You know, so you, oh boy, talk about cheese, right? oh boy, so of course you know, and that's kind of I saw a bumper sticker one time that said um, uh, what's your question and then below it it said something like Jesus is the answer and when I saw that I thought oh talk about cheese you know it's just so simplistic and almost trite and I felt like it doesn't do justice to some of the complexities of life's real problems you know just to say well, Jesus is the answer and I, I suppose that's true to a, to a degree but you know The older I get, and the longer I'm at this thing, the more I listen to your stories and think of my own life, the more I'm convinced that there's some absolutely profound truth in that little bumper sticker about what's your question, what's your puzzle, what's your problem. The answer you're looking for is Jesus. I realize if you have a physics homework this weekend and you write Jesus in every blank, you're not going to get an A. I get that. But, but tell me your story. Tell me the places where you're stuck. Tell me the places where you're hurting. Tell me the places where relationships aren't working. Tell me the places where you're confused, your pain. And you know what? <laughs> it's the love of Jesus and his grace and his truth and his power and his hope and his peace and his forgiveness to, and his ability to make all things new that is really what we need the most. There's a couple this weekend who's here who's arguing a lot and tension is growing in their home and there's a wall between them and they're growing apart. It's a complex issue because it goes way back. There's un- mistrust and all of that stuff going on. They can't get on the same page and they could probably be helped a lot by a counselor or reading a book together going to retreat but you know what they really need and, and would bring real change the fastest and the most effectively to them and their hearts. Jesus, they need more of Jesus in their homes and their hearts. His selflessness, his grace, his truth, his ability to teach them to sacrifice and forgive, and all the other things that good retreats and and counselors and books would point them to anyway. Jesus. There's a young adult this weekend here in Mountain who is circling an addiction that's been stealing his life and he's thinking about dealing with it. He's getting close, but he's freaked out by the scary part of releasing control and the higher power stuff and all of that. And what he needs (laughs) is Jesus. To trust Him, to release into His care, let Jesus be His higher power. There's a young lady with us this weekend who's made some mistakes on spring break with some friends and she's lost part of herself she's she's kind of finding herself like a prodigal and wondering which way she'll run away from god further or you know what she needs is to let her hand fall into the hand of jesus and let him lead her back to the father and so many other things about her puzzle will be solved you've got something going on in your life right now and maybe lots of things i don't know things that might feel like a puzzle, and, and, and it may sound ridiculous or like a bumper sticker on the surface of it, but I'm telling you, my friend, if you think about that issue and think about what is most important and looming in your heart and head these days, I invite you to consider that what would bless and help and what you need the most is more of Jesus. His, himself, Let him teach you to, let him lead you to the truth. Let him lead you out of confusion. Let him shape your character. Let him change your behavior by his power. Let him encourage you forward. Let him build your faith. Let him share his peace. Let him infuse you with his joy. Let him change your heart. Let him heal your heart. Believe that there is such a thing as Jesus. He's real, he's in the house, he wants to be in your life. And over the next few weeks, I could not be more excited because we're going to hover and hang around Jesus. We're going to invite this one to come and surprise us with who he is, because I think a lot of us think we know, and I'm not sure we do. And I just encourage you to think about whatever's going on in your life, whatever your problem or your pain or your puzzle is. The answer is not cheese sauce, and it's not it, it, it's it's not you know a, a baby buggy. It's Jesus, and I just encourage you to open yourself to whatever he might have for you and hear what he has to say to you. And for my part and what we're going to do here as a church is just like the same thing Paul did, Second Corinthians 4. For what we preach is not ourselves. We're just going to preach Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves, we're just servants for Jesus' sake. We just, we're just going to throw Jesus out. A lot of spaghetti of Jesus is going to be thrown against the wall and I hope some of it sticks against the wall of your heart. Why? Because as Acts 4 says, salvation, the wholeness, the solution that we're looking for comes no other way no other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved only this one name that is above all names jesus i'm excited and hope you are too so fair enough jesus now before he was a name above all names he was a very common name if you uh if you have read the story i hope you have chapter 23 this week um one of the things you see is that he just didn't strike anybody with the way that, you know, they, I guess they were expecting. And, uh, in fact, even his name, Jesus, was as common as dog hair back then. He shows up, um, you know, this guy, he's born in a barn, as we talked about last week. Uh, average-looking guy, son of an average Joe. Um, hard-working carpenter from Nazareth, obscure little hick town, barely on the map. Have to really expand the map to even see Nazareth show up. Jesus was this... You know, hard-working, car-heart-wearing, calloused hands, dirt under the fingernail, truck-driving carpenter guy from the boonies. And he was not the kind of Messiah that people were expecting or what most of us want in a Messiah, honestly. Because you got to remember back then, the people were really pushed down. They were oppressed. They were, they'd been beaten up and... It was a tough time for all of them. And so when they heard the word Messiah, their hearts filled with hope and they were looking, a lot of them, for like a political Messiah, a savior who could come and organize a revolt and crush the Romans. Or they were hoping for some kind of financial Messiah who would economically turn things around so they could do something other than scratch and claw to eke out an existence and to get a loaf of bread. Or they were hoping for a regal kingly Messiah like David, you know, who who could put them back on top, be the big dog at the dish again like the glory days. So you can understand why they kind of cocked their head. To the side in confusion, like my dog Rambo does when you talk to him, he's like, "I don't speak English. I don't know what you're saying. What do you What do you mean? He had a weird look, and I think they had that look when this hippie dude from the hills shows up, munching on grasshoppers and and honey. This radical bearded guy who needs a shower and you know has a beard and wears leather, a prophet by the name of John, shows up out of nowhere and starts baptizing people in the Jordan River and saying you better get your life together, you better straighten up and fly right. It's time to repent because the kingdom of God is near. Guess what? It's here. And that Messiah guy that you've all been praying and waiting for, he's here too. And everyone's like, "What? Where? Who?" And they start looking around and John with his long bony finger points and looks and grins and says, "There." He is. And everybody looks and there's this average looking 30 year old guy standing there li- li- like with a, with a Joseph and Sons framing t-shirt on. And they look and they look back and they say Him? He says that's the, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Him? Yeah, Him. When Jesus shows up He's He's, just, he's not what a lot of us expect. And I think, I think we still have some of that problem today. I think some of us have issues in our life and someone might point us to Jesus and we're like, oh, no, no, that, that can't be it. That, that's, that's not it. I need, I need something else. And so we want to go to some other sort of solution for a lot of things in our life. Him? No, oh, no, can't be that. So Jesus shows up, and it's pretty clear early on that he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah means uh, Christ, uh, same word in different languages. Uh, the 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 Anointed One, the the one that God was intending to send, who's going to sort of change the plot of the story and bring it on home, complete the story. And uh, pretty clear that you know the baptism, the voice comes, "This is my beloved Son." It's pretty clear, and all the miracles and all that, everybody knows he's the Messiah. The question now becomes, well, what kind of Messiah? Jesus knows, you know, everyone knows that the Messiah is going to change the world. The question is. How is he going to change the world? How are we going to do this? How, are we going to, how, how is God going to work this? And the answer is, well, not the way most people would. See, remember, God's people, they, if you remember the story now, we, they had strayed, uh-huh, right? So we strayed away from God. God at some point kind of just said, okay, go you know, knock yourself out. You don't want me to go go that way, and and as a result, under under some of those time periods, they, they were beaten down and beat by so many different people. First, the Egyptians, of course, but then the Assyrians, and then they were slaves under the Babylonians, and then the next empire came along, the Persians, and they were, I mean, they were beat, even the Steelers beat them. They they were they were so they were beat down, and and now when we come to the New Testament, it's the mighty boot of Rome that is standing on their necks, and they are tired of it. They are disgusted with Nero. They're sick and tired of his bloodthirsty hunger games and the, and the Colosseums and the death fights of the gladiators and the murder of innocent people. They're sick of their own people being crushed and, and impoverished. It was very common in those days to see hundreds of crucified Jews lined up along the, the sides of the Palestinian roads as a sort of healthy little deterrent against any sort of uprising that would threaten the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And so what they said is, we need a revolution, man, and we need a leader to lead it. And so when they went to the scriptures, the Old Testament, and they saw stuff about Messiah, well there was some stuff about the first coming of the Messiah, how he'd come as a suffering servant quietly, but, but they didn't pay much attention to that. They paid a lot of attention to the second coming of the Messiah, which is, you know... It's about power and glory and, you know, it's more like uh, the stuff they, they clung to was like Handel's Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will reign forever and ever. We are the champions. We, when Messiah comes, we will, we will rock you. That's what they're thinking as they're looking at the Romans. That's their dream, the dreaming of the Messiah. And I think it's natural. They, they cared about their country. They cared about their nation. They cared about the story. So they were looking for Messiah to come and bring that kind of change in that way. And I think we can relate. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of us, we care about our country. We care about our nation. We care about our world, don't we? And we probably have similar concerns. I mean, we can't say that a lot of us are murdered and laid along the streets, but we live in a time where a lot of us are concerned about increasing violence and moral decline and laws that are just getting crazier and economic challenges and... Healthcare taxes and all of that. And we know we want hope and change, but we can't even use those words anymore because politicians have ruined them, gutted them forever. So how, how is it that God and the Messiah that He would send is going to change the world? Well, back then there were lots of different views on that. There was one group called the Zealots. Everybody say Zealots. Zealots. They were called zealots because they were zealous, thus the name. They were, very, they were, the, they were like the extremists. They were like uh, religious ninjas of the day, right? They, they, uh, they were kind of like Rambo for God, suicide bomber types, extremists, machine gun preachers, jihad for Jehovah. Use force because this is, this is fighting time. Use violence if necessary. Because the ends justifies the means, they said. So a zealot might show up in a crowd where there's lots of people, and he pull out a pull out a knife as he walks through and stab a Roman soldier and put it in his coat and slip away into the crowd. And they would say things like, listen, these are desperate times. They call for desperate measures. We need to be as nasty as we need to be because this is important. So it was a political thing in their mind and, and, and uh, even violent if necessary. And they were convinced that when Messiah came, he'd be very pleased with them because that was Messiah's way. It's what Messiah was about. They were, after all, the only ones who were passionate enough to do anything in their minds. And, by the way, Jesus called one of them to become one of the twelve. Simon, the zealot. Hey, who wants the room with Simon the Zealot on our little road trips? Yeah, that'd be fun. And the other extreme, another approach was, was um, some folks called Essenes. Everybody say Essenes. Essenes kind of took the opposite approach where they kind of withdrew completely from society and insulated themselves, sort of like what I think of as today on that show Doomsday Preppers, you know. These were the bunker diggers, stockpiling spam and water jug people who who believed that the culture was so corrupt, the Romans, we couldn't overtake them, so we're just going to pull away, and we're going to be the pure ones, this isolationist little sort of enclave of monastic Amish on steroid group of ours, and when Jesus, when the Messiah shows up, he's going to be really pleased with us because we're going to be the only holy ones. So we just kind of stay pure. This is the group that John the Baptist emerged from. And then there was a group called the Pharisees. Everybody say Pharisees. Pharisees were the religious elite in a sense from the Jewish community. They were the lawmakers and the rule keepers and the detailed accountants of everyone's religious propriety. Judges of faithfulness because they had it nailed down not only to the commandments that are in the scriptures, but they'd added over time about 600 more laws to sort of make it clear because their hope and conviction was at some level you could legislate morality. They hope to force change on people by having them follow the right laws and rules. And if you create enough structure and guidelines and rules that way, then we would make of ourselves a righteous people and God would be well pleased. We'll change people from the outside in. And we'll put the Ten Commandments on our wall and 600 other ones and we'll follow all of them. If you don't, we'll make sure you do. And there was another group called the Sadducees. Everybody say Sadducees. Sadducees. They didn't believe in the afterlife so that's why they were sad you see and they they thought that any chance of utopia and change and hope was gonna be right here right now we better take care of it and that's why they tended to kinda of go along with whatever political power was in the day at the moment so they stuck their finger in the wind and just kinda of said which way is it going we're gonna go that way believing that Messiah then would, be, would gain a quickest path to political power and ascendancy because they were already pr- sort of aligned with whatever was happening in, at the time and so you see a- every one of these groups they thought Messiah would do it their way and should do it their way and was on their side. Maybe it's already occurred to you as we talk through some of these things how, how similar that maybe is to where we are today. Does that occur to you? That we often have really similar outlooks about what the hope of the world really is and how change and what God's agenda should look like? You know, we, we've got some who thinks it really is all about political stuff, and if we can pass enough laws, we we could maybe get the culture back. And this group tends to get really angry, and awful lot, and upset, and always fearful, and angry, and sometimes even wants to resort to nastiness, thinking that will somehow, you know, the ends justify the means. Maybe even violence. Others kind of more like, you know what, we just need to withdraw. We just need to make sure that we're, you know, don't, don't engage because it will just corrupt you. So just, we just kind of avoid culture and stay in our Christian bubble and to stay as pure as we can. And others, others kind, of, kind of try to force their change on others by wanting to legislate morality or have our own religious system, a kind of legalism sometimes that creates this sort of illusion that we can have this holy status amongst ourselves that, will, that we think it will make us more righteous in God's eyes. It tends to make us more repulsive in the world's eyes. And then there's others who, who say, well, well, whatever the political thing or whatever the trend of the day is, we're going to kind of align with that. We'll just kind of go along and, and go with the flow stick or finger in the wind. And you know what? Uh, there's, there's little tiny uh, slivers of what's needed and truth in each one of those, but any one of them taken off to themselves. You know, I, you know what happened when Jesus showed up? When the Messiah came, turns out He wasn't on the side of the zealots. Nor was He on the side of of the Essenes. And he certainly didn't have very many nice things to say about the Pharisees or the Sadducees for that matter. And Jesus today is not on the side of the Republicans. And he's not on the side of the Democrats. And he's not on the side of the progressives. And he's not on the side of the ultra-conservatives or anyone else in between. Do you know whose side Jesus is on? Jesus is on his own side. Jesus is his own side. He's not looking around for who could help his cause. He's saying, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I've got an agenda. It's You know what time it is when Jesus shows up? It's kingdom time. And it's a different kingdom than any of us would expect. And our choice is to follow him that's what he invites us into a kingdom that is not of this world a kingdom that flows in a pathway that can only be defined by the suffering servant the Messiah Jesus Christ it's about Jesus and he's he's the one who says I can change the world we're gonna do it a different way it's hard to understand it's hard to even like sometimes because we live in this world and it's hard to Get on board with it. But Jesus, he pulled together his disciples one day. Everyone get in close. Okay, come here, come here, guys. Come here. We're going to go over a few things. Okay. We're going to go over how, how we're going to do the mission in the kingdom of God. They're like, oh, good. How are we going to overthrow the Romans, uh, Jesus? Tell us. And Jesus is like, okay, this is what it is. Listen. Peter, pay attention. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Listening. Listening. Uh, we are going to love people. We're going to love God, love people, and serve the world. That, that, that's what we're going to do. And they looked at him like my dog looks at me. So Jesus, uh, by love, do you mean overthrow? No, uh, no, 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 no. Let me say this again. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to love people. People. Jesus, by love, do you mean be disgusted and angry with them and get them to 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 act more like us? Uh, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to love people. Well, Jesus, what what if what if one of the Roman soldiers is a neighbor of mine? And Jesus says, well, then we're going to we're actually going to love our neighbors. As much as we would love ourselves, but Jesus, they're our enemies; they're against everything you stand for. Well, well we're actually going to love—we're going to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. But Jesus, one time I was trying to go—I was trying to run an errand, and a soldier grabbed me and he made me carry his coat. He made me do it for a whole mile. Oh, well. Next time. Carry it too for him. But Jesus, is, he hit me. He hit me right here. Oh, well, You've got two cheeks. Turn the other one and let him hit that one too because that's not our game. We're going to love people. Who, who does this? Who, who thinks like this? That you could change the world this way? Jesus does. And he brings a plot twist to the story. He says, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to serve the world. How? What's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And go be a, a good Samaritan in the way that you live. They were so surprised and shocked. Sometimes we are too. Aren't we? You've got to decide if you trust Jesus to follow him because he's going to lead you where you probably wouldn't go on your own. Boy, they, they give him that Rambo, my dog, look when, when he walked into the synagogue preaching early on in his ministry. And the Re- Old Testament reading for the day was from Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus, he took the scroll and, and this is what he read. The, sovereign, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners. And then Luke says that when that happened, he, verse chapter four, he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And Jesus said, "It's on." Now I added that. That's what he meant. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You're looking at the one that's coming to help, release, and bless and free it's kingdom time and friend you and I are called by the same Jesus to simply follow him the same way he wants to gather us together and say here's what we're going to do we're going to love God love people serve the world do you get it yet sometimes we're like I don't know seems like there's a better way but that's the Jesus we're called to follow and you know the amazing thing is is that it actually works one by one through two thousand years of history one life after another has been changed not by force not by rules, not by separation, but by the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so we're all called to join Him in that mission, to love a world that's hurting, that needs their story, to make sense, to solve the puzzle for what's ailing them. It's Jesus and it's His love. I love seeing practical examples of that. You know, we, we send people all over the world. We ourselves are called to go serve on mission. Wherever you live, you're sent on mission to go love people, love God, and serve the world right where you are. One, one cool example we're seeing is that there's transformation happening in Africa. We're partnering with some friends there who are doing it. And then once in a while, the bug catches one of us. Well, that happened. A lot of you remember our friends, Dennis and Renda Curran, right? Part of our church. Uh, Dennis became pastor here, uh, one of the pastors, and working with us. And they just got this call. I think God's sending us to Kenya. And so they're going to go. And that, and in fact, they're they're real close to, to heading there right now. And they happen to be here back in our area uh, before they head out. And they're here today. I just love you to watch welcome them today. Can we just say hello to Dennis and Renda Curran again. Come on guys. <laughs> How you doing?
1: Hey, Wonderful good. buddy.
0: Okay, good we're getting out. down to T, T minus whatever time, right? We're getting down to close where before long you're going to be in Kenya working among the Turkana, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of north and west of Nairobi a little bit, a very dry desert arid region and they're going to be bringing Jesus. They're going to be Jesus, um, through relationships. You're going to be making disciples, trying to get churches started, um, joining a work that's already in progress there, joining a team that's there. Um, one of the other real cool practical sides that fits in with this Isaiah 61 is you're going to be bringing, you're going to help them with water. Water's a big problem. They get six inches of rainfall a year. Yeah. And uh, so well digging, irrigation for economic and health and uh, farming reasons. Dennis will be overseeing that for a region about twice the size of Maryland. And um, we just couldn't be more excited about how you, you, you responded to the call of God in your life. It fits so beautifully with what we're saying today. Jesus says, follow me, we're going to change the world. We're going to start by loving people in real heart ways and practical ways. And it's, and it's working, and you're part of that. Amen. sounds dramatic to us to go to the other side of the world, but thank hmm. you for going. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Ben. Thank you. You know, guys, this is, this is our home church. This is our family. And it's not easy for us to go. But we have been the recipients of your love and your teaching and when needed, your grace for many years. And Mountain just excels at loving on people, one person at a time, and bringing them ever so much closer to the cross.
0: And we're excited to go. It's kind of easy. Um, We're excited because uh, we get to... Serve in Turkana. We get to share God's word. We get to, um, share Mountain with the folks over there, uh, also. The, um, our hearts are about ready to pop because, um, it's so filled with like blessings and thankfulness and gratitude, especially to you. We can't express our thanks enough. Uh, for the the blessings we've received from the mountain leadership, the elders, and the congregation here. And um, there's an open invitation to visit, please.
1: You know, uh, Scripture speaks pretty plainly that the gifts that we receive, whatever gifts those are that God has given us and who they've come from, those gifts aren't meant to rest right here. Those gifts are meant to be used to serve others. God says that plain and clear. And you know what we're going to do? is we're going to hold your hand and we're going to hold the hand of God and we're going to step into Kenya and the trust that you've placed in us and the preparation that you've granted to us, we're going to spill all over those beautiful Kenyan people and show them who Jesus is in a way hopefully that will touch thousands. And we get to do that. We are blessed to do that because you guys have equipped us for that. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you.
0: So it's been a lot of prep, and there's some costs involved with this, Mm -hmm. especially startup costs to make the transition to get there to set up. Mountain, in an ongoing basis, wants to do more than just send you with our love and our prayers. Um, We 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 want to send you with ongoing support. So. Every time you go online and give a gift to Mountain, you're part of that's being used to support people like Dennis and Renda, but specifically Dennis and Renda in what they're doing every single month. In addition, you remember at Christmas time, we had that Christmas offering. We passed the hat and we said, we've got to take care of some really cool things. Well, one of them was Den and Ren. And so $50,000 from this family is a gift to you to, for help with your, your startup costs. We want that to bless you, and we send it with you with our prayers and our love. And you've encouraged us to be on mission. Right here. Amen. One more time. Let's show our appreciation to Dan and Ren Kern, will you? <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thanks, God. So, that may sound so dramatic to you, you know, to, uh, to go to the ends of the earth. Well, it, but I, we just have to remind ourselves now they're responding merely to the same exact call that Jesus gave that first 12 when he circled them up. And the same exact call that I pray you have allowed to fall on your ears. From Jesus to you, saying, follow me. Well, where do I go? What do I do? Well, we love God, love people, and serve the world. You know, there's an important thing as you think about, well, how are they going to make it? And, and persevere? How did the early disciples make and persevere? How will I if, I if I were to say yes to, to more fully give my life to Jesus in my school at my job and just be on mission for him? How, how would I do that? Well I just want to point to a couple really important things as we close. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 describes this time when John the Baptist is out there in the wilderness and he's just baptizing people, dunking them in the river there one after the other and it says that Jesus went out from Galilee to the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. And John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. Why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it's necessary to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. It's the right thing to do. So John agreed to baptize him. And when Luke is telling about that incident, he says right then when Jesus was baptized, he's praying to the Father there in the water. And verse 22 says, The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove and a voice from heaven from the Father said, You are my beloved Son and I am fully pleased with you. I want you to hear those words. Not only because I know some of you need to probably, I, I know some of you have not been baptized and I just want to encourage you to do it. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to take that step the same way Jesus did, to humble yourself and get into that water and to lower yourself and let him raise you up, just like Jesus did. And then Jesus said, after he himself was baptized, he said, go and baptize um, all nations in, my, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you haven't done that, I hope that you will. It will I don't know if the heavens will open, but I know God will be will pleased with you. And I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's the right thing, and you probably do too. But I want you to catch something else out of this. And that is that voice that came from God. Almost as if He knew that it would be hard for Jesus, that the road ahead would not be the way everyone would want Him to go. They would try to talk Him out of the cross. They would try to talk Him out of loving people. They tried, in fact, to make Him into a different kind of change agent. So it's as if the father knew in that inaugural moment that he would need some kind of grounding, some kind of inner strength, some kind of depth of solidity that would hold him through whatever came in life in his short ministry. And so he speaks those words of blessing on him. Don't you ever forget this, my son. Don't you ever forget who you are. Because it's what will hold you. I love you. You're my son. You're my child. I'm well pleased in your desire to serve me. And friend, I would just say the same thing to you. It's the same way that you will be able to stay in there in a crazy world, in a crazy life, when you feel like shooting somebody or hiding out in a hole somewhere, but you know that to follow Jesus, it means you've got to just keep loving people, loving God and serving the world. It's then that you need to hear the voice of the Father over you saying, don't you forget who you are. Don't you forget. Don't you forget. And let me build something deep into your character so that whatever criticism you receive, whatever hardship you face, whatever trash gets thrown in your face, you'll know deep down the same way Jesus knew I am the beloved child of God and nothing can change that. That's who I am. And God is pleased with my humble effort to follow and serve Him in my imperfect broken way God loves me still let that be a strength to you my friend let that be a strength that will make your story weave into his story in a beautiful beautiful way let's pray God we ask for your presence with us now we thank you for the beautiful life of Jesus and his Example and how it leads us in a way we wouldn't go on our own. I pray for the one who is more calloused than they ought to be today, that they would be softened and open to Jesus. I pray for the one who is more crippled and heartbroken because they feel so guilt-ridden. I pray that you would help them to feel also and to know the love and grace of Christ, that He would meet all of us where we are. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.